Welcome to Music, Hope, Word, and Prayer, a podcast of rich music, hopeful prayer, and inspiring meditations with East Brentwood Presbyterian Church, a community church in the greater metropolitan area of Nashville, Tennessee. We are a faith community made up of a loving, welcoming family of believers in honest conversation with God. We seek to emulate the ministry of Jesus through compassionate service, with stimulating and relevant exploration of God's Word, and by sharing that Word and God's many blessings with our neighbors in Middle Tennessee and around the world. My name is Nate Strasser, and I'm the music director here. Pastor John Hilly is away on vacation, so we are excited to bring into the podcast today Reverend Stacy Rector. Reverend Stacy Rector is a native of Dyersburg, Tennessee, a graduate of Rhodes College and Columbia Theological Seminary. In 2006, she became Executive Director of Tennesseans for Alternatives to the Death Penalty, an organization whose mission it is to honor life by abolishing the death penalty. Reverend Rector has served on the boards of People of Faith Against the Death Penalty and Community Shares Tennessee. She is also active in the Presbytery of Middle Tennessee. Stacy joined us last Sunday and gave a wonderfully meaningful reflection. So let's go to her now and hear her meditation entitled, Looking for Laborers. His name was Jordan Neely. He lived on and off the streets of New York City for years, a black man navigating mental illness and trauma. Jordan survived on soup kitchens and spare change. It wasn't always this way for Jordan. He began having mental health issues when he was 14, after his mother was murdered. She was strangled to death by her boyfriend in the apartment that they shared together. Jordan loved music. He loved singing, dancing, and was known locally as a Michael Jackson impersonator who danced in the Times Square transit hub. Since his mother's murder, Jordan had spent some time living with an aunt, some time living in a shelter, and some time out on the street. On May 1st of this year, Jordan Neely boarded the F train in Manhattan. If you've ever been on the subway in Manhattan, you know likely very few people made eye contact. His stomach was empty. His throat was dry. I don't have any food. I don't have anything to drink. I'm fed up. I'll go to prison. I'm ready to die. Jordan shouts above the rumble of the train. He's ranting. He throws down his jacket on the subway car floor. People are getting nervous. A few stare while others just look down at their cell phones or close their eyes. Another crazy homeless guy hope he isn't armed. A man gets up, grabs Jordan around the neck, he drops to the ground. A young white man named Daniel Penny, a Marine veteran, deployed twice. Daniel grew up in the West Islip area of New York, a community full of first responders and firemen and police officers. He wanted to serve in some way, and he joined the Marines after a couple of years at community college. He was studying architecture 
working two jobs now to put himself through school. His training is military. He understands the ways of war. He understands violence. Those are the tools that Daniel has been given. As far as we know from eyewitnesses, Jordan never physically engages with anyone. He does rant. He throws trash. And Daniel Penny's training kicks in. He feels he must be the protector. He'll keep everybody safe. Everyone except for Jordan. For anywhere from 5 to 16 minutes, Daniel holds Jordan around the neck and squeezes. Even as bystanders warn, he's holding him too tightly. Jordan flails and goes limp. Jordan Neely is dead. Threat contained. Daniel Penny told a reporter he was inspired to act by Holocaust survivor Eli Wiesel. Penny said, one of the overall messages that Mr. Wiesel talked about was that good people did nothing. It's a lesson that I carry with me to this day. And he asserts that he choked Jordan to prevent him from attacking anyone. In Matthew's Gospel, we meet Jesus out on the streets himself, where he often is, teaching, proclaiming the good news. And we're told by Matthew that Jesus is surrounded by crowds of people, likely some of them unruly. And Matthew points out specifically to us in this gospel reading that Jesus sees the crowds. Jesus sees the crowds. And his first reaction when he sees them, really sees them, is not threat assessment, but compassion. He feels compassion because he sees people who are harassed and helpless, we're told, like sheep without a shepherd. Another translation says the crowds are wounded and exhausted, a lot like Jordan Neely. The harvest is plentiful, Jesus tells his disciples, but the laborers are few. He then empowers his followers not only to proclaim the good news of God's beloved community, but to be the good news, embodying it as he does, proclaiming it not only with words, but with their lives through acts of healing and mercy and hospitality and forgiveness and loving neighbor and enemy alike. Jesus calls his disciples by name and gives them the authority he's been given to free God's people from that which holds them captive, from that which keeps them from becoming fully human the people whom God has created them to be, their whole and true selves. Now, in the previous verses and chapters of this gospel, Jesus encounters many hurting people, and he heals the ones that he can, particularly those whom are vulnerable 
those who are excluded, the blind, the leper, a child. And he also engages two men in the previous chapter described as demoniacs. Now, if you're like me, demoniac is a hard word to navigate. I'm not exactly sure how Matthew understands this term and would have needed to spend a lot more time looking into that than I did. So I'm going to tell you what I think demoniac means in this context. For me, these men are not possessed by supernatural beings a la the exorcist, right? They are possessed, though. They're possessed by a host of unclean spirits, such as past trauma, false narratives, idolatrous power, oppressive structures at work all around them and at work within them. Spirits that lead them away from love and relationship and lead them to fear and isolation. Going so far as these two men are led into social exile, we're told they live among the tombs. These are not foreign spirits, friends. We know them. We wrestle with them. They're all around us. They're in us. But for some of us, the damage that they inflict is more harsh, more obvious, and cannot remain hidden away. I can't help but think about Jordan Neely and Daniel Penny when reading these verses about these men, the demoniacs from Gerasene. Jordan and Daniel have a chance encounter on a subway train. Two men, each beloved children of God, each with his own story, each wrestling with his own history, with his own trauma, with his own experiences of the world. Jordan, whose life has been upended by violence, the murder of his mother when he was a child. Jordan, whose mental illness rages without treatment, whose housing is precarious, and whose very existence as a black man in America is too often perceived as a threat. Jordan, who lives in one of the richest cities in the richest nation in the world, and who Every single day in the throes of severe mental illness must still figure out where to get food and where to sleep. Every single day. Daniel Penny, a young white man, a Marine, he wants to make a difference. His life has been more stable and comfortable than Jordan's likely, but it hasn't been an easy one. He's worked hard. He's worked hard for what he has. I mean, let's be honest, typically rich men don't join the Marines after a couple years of community college. They don't fight our wars. Daniel does. 
And in this encounter, Daniel sees a homeless black man causing a scene and relies on what he has learned, and let's be honest, what most of us have learned in ways spoken and unspoken. The insidious narratives that white people should fear black people, particularly black men. That we should lock up or hide away those with mental illness so we don't have to see them or deal with them. That those who are poor are to blame for their poverty. And that we should use any means necessary to ensure that we feel protected from all of those people whose very lives challenge our narratives about who we are as a society and as individuals. These are the broken narratives, the spirits so powerful, so powerful in us and in our nation today One candidate running for president said, we stand with good Samaritans like Daniel Penny. We stand with good Samaritans like Daniel Penny. A fundraising page for Daniel Penny's defense has garnered at least $2.4 million in counting. And on the other hand, A reporter for The Guardian notes, Daniel Penny and his online supporters by proxy have centered themselves as the real victims, casting Jordan Neely's death as an unfortunate result of them needfully enforcing their right to feel safe in a public space. The question must be asked. Does the right to feel safe from a perceived threat of a black, hungry, homeless man looking for help, ranting and raving, does that trump that man, Jordan Neely's right to live? These are the questions, the narratives, the powers, louder and more consequential than I have seen in my lifetime. Unclean spirits of poverty, racism, mental illness, isolation, violence, vigilantism, and fear led these men to this destructive encounter on a subway car. One man is dead, and the other one is indicted for manslaughter and may face years in prison. Who is the monster? Who's the victim? How did we get here? And where do we go? Jesus sees them both. Daniel and Jordan. Harassed and helpless. Wounded and exhausted. Jesus sees us too. He sees us in our confusion, our desperation, in our defensiveness, in our shame, in our blame, in our fear, in our frailty. And he says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I've called you by name. You are mine.
This, friends, is where we go. Into this truth. Into the light that shines in the darkness. A light so persistent that even just a glimmer means the darkness cannot overcome it. We go to the good news of God's love made flesh in Jesus and made flesh in us. A love that overcomes fear. A love that overcomes fear. That gives us eyes to see and ears to hear. Really see and hear each other that draws forth from the well deep within us the same compassion we've been shown, that breaks down the walls that separate and stigmatize and demonize. This is where we go. This way. Christ's way. It's our way too. And There are stories of those who have chosen this way all over the place. We just don't hear them very much. Another story of two men, this time in Memphis. One of these men, Roderick Duncan, is owner of the God Body Gym. That's where I want to go work out, the God Body Gym. A few months ago, Roderick noticed a guy sleeping in one of his old cars out behind the gym. He opened the car door and told the man, get out of my car, can't stay here. The man complied. But it's an old car and the doors don't lock. So the next day, Roderick goes out and there's the guy again, sleeping in his car. He tells him, you got to get out of my car. And the guy does, but guess what happens the next day? Roderick is getting frustrated, he's getting exasperated, and he's preparing for a confrontation. But then, he has another idea. Roderick goes another way. He goes inside the gym and makes a cup of coffee. Brings it out to the guy in the car. They start talking. The man living in Roderick's car was 25-year-old Brian Taylor. And in that encounter over a cup of coffee, Roderick saw Brian. He really saw him. He listened to him. He learned about him. Found out about his troubled childhood, his drinking problem. And Roderick was moved with compassion for Brian, who was like a sheep without a shepherd. Roderick got Brian some clothes helped him get his ID, drove him to job interviews, gave him a spot on his own couch for a little while. Now Brian has a job and a bit more confidence than he's had in a very long time. Now I wish I could tell you everything's coming up roses and rainbows for the two of them. That's Disney's version of life, not ours. Brian struggles. He breaks trust. He breaks rules. Roderick has told him on numerous occasions I'm done with this. And then Roderick tries again. And Brian tries again. And Roderick says, some people need more than one chance. And some people just need any chance at all. 
What happens if we choose another way? To engage one another, not out of fear, but out of our faith. To lead with compassion. To lead with compassion, not confrontation. Is there a risk in this approach? Of course there's a risk in this approach. Living in relationship with human beings comes with risk. Just ask Jesus. But there's no other way. There is no other way. If we are to be fully alive, fully ourselves, fully the people whom God has called us and made us to be, if we keep choosing fear and isolation, we're dead already. What if, what if Daniel Penny had had the tools, the encouragement that day and had chosen another way? As Jordan screamed, ranting, raving that he was hungry, that he was thirsty, what if Daniel had approached him calmly and asked hey man, can I buy you a sandwich at the next stop? What if he had said, hey, I'm Daniel. What's your name? How might the story have ended? We'll never know. For now, there is only more pain and more trauma. The need for the good news of God's love for each one of us, each one of us is so profoundly great, sisters and brothers. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. Let us count ourselves among the laborers. Not just talking about good news but living it, being it, loving each other and laboring with each other into the beloved community of God as it is realized among us here and now. Thy kingdom come. Amen. There is an everlasting kindness you lavished on us Where the radiance of heaven came to rescue the Lord You called the sheep without a shepherd to leave their distress For your streams of forgiveness in the shade of Yeah.
for joining East Brentwood Presbyterian Church today for music, hope, word, and prayer. To learn more about the life and ministry of EBPC, our commitment to being a Matthew 25 congregation, or to support this ministry with a financial contribution, visit us at our website, ebpctn.org, or visit us on Facebook at East Brentwood PC, or subscribe to our YouTube channel, EBPC videos. Thank you.